It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. On my guest Cynthia's website, there is a wonderful phrase. I think it's at the very top of your website, Cynthia, that says, invest in others by investing in yourself. And I absolutely love that because I know you're on a mission to aspire and motivate career-driven women, women that are entrepreneurial, to really live the life that they want with out regard or getting caught up in their circumstances, whatever that may be. And that is such an incredible mission to be on. And I think a lot of us think that we need to invest in others, but not ourselves. And I love that you said you actually invest in others by investing in yourself first. It's kind of like that, that cliche uh, thing about putting on the oxygen mask first, right? But it Uh is so true. Mm -hmm. And I think especially for women, they struggle so much with putting themselves first, Uh, come up actually a lot with other guests recently. So I'm I'm glad that you're here to talk about it from your specific background and experience and perspective. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it took me a long time to get there because initially I believed that I had to give, give, give. And when you're in that state of giving, 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 You only, what I came to realize is that I only can give what I have acquired. So if I haven't acquired something like happiness, how can I give that to others? Because for a long time, speaking of happiness, I truly believed that someone or something would make me happy. And so when, use an example of a car, so I would deem that if I had a car, I would be happier. So then once I got the car, I would wonder why I wasn't happy. And I was like, so how come I said I'm going to get this car? It's going to make me happy. Now, why am I still not happy? Why would I feel like something is still missing? So it wasn't until I started this journey of personal development and growth and believing in myself that I began to learn that first I had to give myself happiness before I could give it to anyone else. And I was very good at showing up for people and cheering them on and letting them, you can do it, you could be happy. But inside, I wasn't. And I would say maybe like the last five to six years, I've really been practicing believing in myself and developing myself so that in turn, I can believe and help others do the same. Well, the timing is interesting because we before we started recording, we were talking about your six-year-old daughter, and mm-hmm. I was remarking how it sounds like you're just a wonderful mother to her. And it, mm-hmm. was it the birth of your daughter that made the shift in your life, given that it was around the time that she was born? Yeah, my daughter with her, that was a lot of work with myself because around 18 months, we discovered that our daughter was on the spectrum. And so for me, that was like 
if I could say so, like an embarrassment because I was like, so why would that happen? Why would she be like that? Why, you know, why, even why would God allow this to happen? Because I just felt like, because first of all, we, (laughs) she was full IVF and we had been trying for more than eight years to have the baby girl. And so when that happened, I began to question like a lot of things. And what I discovered is that God was saying, you have to accept everything as it is and believe that I have the best for you. I have the best for your daughter. I have the best for your family, your husband, your son. Everyone around you is going to see the best that I can offer if you can just believe. So the same way I had to believe her life to be born and here on this earth is the same way I have to believe for the greatness that's within her current state. So that's what I've come to. It was a lot of self-work that I didn't do anything wrong. It's just something that it is. And as long as I don't view it as anything wrong, it will never be anything wrong. Once I put the view on it that something is wrong, then it's something is wrong. And sometimes kids on the spectrum do things differently. And with her, the communication she developed early on was a screen. So she's, <laughs> she, she has a lot of words. She can use words. She can say the words. But it looks like she would rather communicate with the screen. So people are always like, can't you stop her from screaming? And I'm like, well, actually, I can't. I can encourage her to use her words. I can give her examples on how to use it. But by her instinct and her nature still yet, I'm sure it's going to change, is that she would rather speak with the screen. (laughs) And it's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if you have so much of a problem with it, then I think you can remove yourself because I don't think there's anything wrong. And we have so many standards and people believe that things should happen A, B, C, X, Y, Z. And a lot of times it's not like that. Yes, there is a process that we have to go through, but there might be mountains, there might be valleys. Maybe you have to go through, maybe you have to go under. There's a lot of different ways to get to that end destination. And what I've learned is that you should be enjoying the journey there. That yes, we're going to get there, but this is a journey that we're on And in order to enjoy that journey, it begins with our thoughts in our mind. So, yeah, so that's a little bit (laughs) about our daughter. Mm -hmm. Wow. I mean, there's so many beautiful Mm -hmm. lessons there. I mean, one thing that I find pertinent is that the screaming side of it, I feel like a lot of adults maybe deep down they envy somebody who expresses themselves through screaming because if you think about it, screaming often feels really good unless we're in a situation where we're full of terror, right? That's very different if it's Mm -hmm. traumatic. But Mm -hmm. to communicate through screaming, it's like letting out all of these emotions that many of us, especially women, are conditioned to keep in. You know, we're Mm -hmm. taught to suppress our anger. We're taught to suppress our frustration. We're taught to not show our stress. So we bottle it up and our bodies become tense. And there's actually scream therapy, right? Where people are encouraged to go out in the middle of nowhere and just scream. And I've heard 
stories of people saying how liberating it is to be able to scream. Mm -hmm. So I actually think it's really cool that that's how she's expressing herself. It's Mm -hmm. not, I assume it's not coming from a place of pain. It's just a form of expression. Yes. So when she's happy, there's one that she will do. When she's upset, there's one she will do. And lately there's one that's really like, I guess she's really mad. So it's like a new, everyone's like, oh my gosh, what is that? (laughs) So yeah, so there is different ways and means that she's doing it. And most times if I feel like she feels really frustrated, then I will just try to give her a hug and let her know that everything is going to be okay. Sometimes she's receptive, sometimes she's not. So, you know, (laughs) just like you just really have to go with the flow and you really have to understand that there's nothing wrong with it. I believe she's still going to be the best person and the most beautiful person, woman she can be. That is so incredible. I mean, something else I said to you offline was that barely knowing you just from the short period of time we spent together, it feels like you're just an incredible mother. And to show up that way for a daughter to Mm -hmm. say, you are accepted as you are. You don't have to change. I'm going to be on this journey with you. But also the fact that it coincides with you and learning more about yourself and embracing yourself and accepting yourself. I mean, that is just so remarkable. It's like the two of you are embracing yourselves simultaneously together at the same time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. that is so magical. Imagine the Mm -hmm. bonds that you're creating with your daughter that have that, the depth of the love and the connection that you, that can come out of something like that is just Mm-hmm. so remarkable. And I think that's one of the most, if not the most important things for a mother to to love herself and to mm-hmm. pass on that deep love to her daughter too. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and given and, that and, it's tied and, into your message, your mission of, of helping other women too, did, did that happen around that same time or were you already on that path before you before these, this five to six year period where mm-hmm, you started mm-hmm. working uh, on yourself. The, yeah, it was around the same time. So with her and also with my son too, because like with him, he's the, the exact opposite. So he spoke early, he walked early, he talked early, he read early. He's just by nature smart. And so when I look back, I'm like the type of person who likes things organized, checkbox. I want everything to look really nice and perfect. And so for a while, he was able to give me that because as a child, of course, children do what they want, that the parent wants them to do. But then as he began to get older, that's when he began to change a little bit. And I was like, so what is all of this? And so around uh, 10th, 11th grade, his grades started coming down. And so at, and at that time, I was in a coaching program and my coach was saying, Cynthia, his grades is not a reflection of you because that's what was happening. So I was taking his grades and this is what we've been able to achieve thus far. So then when he was not doing so great, I was like, what is going on? So then like a lot of control was trying to step in and things like that. And she was like, no, what you what needs to happen or what you would want to do is allow him to be him. And that was very difficult as well. <laughs> Because before I would go on this tangent and I'm like, 
texting his teachers, emailing teachers, going to the school, all these things trying to make a correction that honestly I couldn't make. He has to make the correction. And so that was very difficult. And I was just going about trying to figure it all out, trying to, even to the extent that I'm like, if I could do the homework, if your homework wasn't so advanced, I would do it. Just be done with it. I wouldn't even have to ask you to do it. I would do it. And so his 11th grade, I was like, you know what? Well, no, I did do it the 11th grade. So he's a senior now. So this year I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do it. So if he doesn't want to do it, I told myself, I said, so what is the worst thing that can happen if he doesn't do the work? I said, well, the worst thing is he won't graduate. I said, okay, so what is so bad about if he doesn't graduate? What does that really mean? That means he didn't graduate. That doesn't mean he can't go to college. That doesn't mean he cannot graduate. That doesn't mean he can't be successful. It doesn't mean anything. If I want to put all those meanings on it, I can, but I can also just choose to mean he didn't graduate and we move on. And so that's how I begin to make this shift because what I was learning is that inside of me, I want to On the outside, I want to present something that's not on the inside. In the inside, I want to feel like upset and torn and defeated and things like that. But on the outside, I want it to look like so perfect. But once I was able to match the two up a little bit, things begin to flow and he began to do the work himself. And I just ask him, you need to do it. I can't keep running behind you, trying to make you do it, taking things away and taking this and creating punishments. I mean, we've moved on past this, that point and everything has a consequence. So if you don't do the work, then that just simply means you don't graduate. So you still can go to college and accomplish so much, but at this point in time, that would be the result. And so I think a lot of those things helped me begin to shift that I need to build myself up more so that I can be present and give more to them and my family and the women that I work with. That is amazing. I love all these lessons and it ties into something I know that you're passionate about, which is speaking on failure and what that means and maybe redefining it. And that's something I'm thinking about when it comes to graduation, for example. It's like if you don't graduate high school, you're a failure. If you don't have your degree in college, you're a failure. Like our society has put all these labels on perceived success versus failure. And I'm curious, what else about failure are you interested in? And how do you look at it differently, especially when you're working with women? Mm -hmm. So forever, I was looking at it as like we're discussing as society has said, a failure is a failure. That's it. You don't move, you know, you can't do all these things that come with failure. But what I begin to realize is that failure is actually not a failure. It's actually just a lesson. So either you can take from the lesson something where you can make it different and learn, or if you don't learn anything, more than likely you're going to end up repeating it again. It might not be in that same fashion, but in some way you're going to repeat that failure again until you learn that lesson. So for like in high school and college a little bit, I felt that way. It wasn't until I was able to finish my master's degree 
and start to pursue my career in cybersecurity that I started to feel more like I can't accomplish things. And I think what happened with me is that I had so many opportunities to fail. And at that point, I didn't know I was doing it at the time, but at that point, I would ask myself, so because they said no, or you can't have it, or you can't do it, does that mean you're going to stop? And then I would tell myself, no, you're not going to stop. You're going to try it again, and you're going to try it again, and you're going to try it again until you succeed. Like a prime example, before I went into cybersecurity, we have a chain of grocery store here called Safeway. And so I went to work for them after undergraduate, and I wanted to be store manager. And I had to do, they had like this test you had to do for assistant manager. I must have did the test like five times. But I was like, I am going, I have to be assistant manager so I can get to store manager. So I am going to do this. And I just kept going and going and going. I would fail or I would miss something or whatever would happen, but I would try again. And so that's what I have learned over the course of my life. Even if I don't succeed the first time, I have built up this characteristic of resiliency that will take over that failure and make me try again. I love that word resilient. It's funny. I don't feel like I hear it that much. Hearing it come out of your mouth feels like the first time I've heard it used in quite some time, which is really interesting because it's such a powerful word as is perseverance, which is another thing I know that you're passionate about in the story you just shared is an example of perseverance. It's doing Mm -hmm. things over and over again until you either get what you want or you get a result from all of your trying that may be different from what you thought you wanted, but it's still tied into the perseverance. And I'm curious how else that shows up in your life and your work and why perseverance has become so important to you. I believe it's become important because it's a characteristic I built. I used to think that everyone had perseverance. I used to think that if you didn't make it, you would just try again. And then as I began to talk to people, I realized that a lot of people don't believe that way. They believe they're going to try the one time. If it doesn't work, then forget about it. I'm going to do something completely different. And I'm thinking, so why would you do that? You spent all this time working up to this point. This was just the last step that you need. We'll say it's a test. You just needed to pass this test. And just because you failed one time, you're not going to try again. And so then I begin to realize that that is actually a characteristic that is built. Everyone can build it. It's just that when it happens, you can't go into the state of, I believe what one might tell themselves is I'm a failure and you don't want to ever feel like a failure. So you're never going to try it again because you might fail again. And that's not the case. You have to look at it a little different that, okay, I didn't make it, but what do I need to do to make it? What do I need to do to accomplish this? Because the same thing happened when I entered into the cybersecurity field at first. I mean, the information technology at first, I wanted to do an area called system administrator. And so I went and I had to take all these Microsoft certification tests. It took about like seven of them. But it was like over a three-year period. And I don't know how many times I was retaking these tests again and again. And you pay for these tests, hundreds of dollars. But I was like, there's no way that I'm going to let this certification 
withhold me from getting to this system administration, which will withhold me from getting to my dream. Because the reason why I started the IT field was because I believe that it would give me a life that the retail could not give me. So, because I went from retail to IT with no previous knowledge. I didn't even know. When I went into the IT, I didn't even use email or nothing. I knew nothing about the computer. <laughs> and fast forward today, I know a lot because you know if you're a business owner like we are, especially with a podcast, there's a lot of technical things that go into it. And so, but yeah, so just to think back that I knew nothing about a computer. And I was like, well, I believe in the end, because at that time we just had our son. And I was like, I believe in the end, it will be a better life for me. My husband, my son can do things better. So that's another thing that I believe you have to have like an end goal, something that is pushing you to try it again, pushing you to try it again. And it should be something a little bigger than yourself, because my goal was to create this life for us that we could like travel is one of the things I like to do. We could be together on holidays. We could be together and things like that. So that was what was always driving me. So if I had to do it again, if I had to study more, I remember coming home from at the time, you know, our son was like maybe two or three and I was working. I had to work too. So I would come home from work and then I had to, well, I wouldn't even come home. I think my husband at that time was picking him up. So I would go to class after work to like 10 p.m. Then from the class, I would come home and review the things that we did to like 12, 1. I was using like a flashlight because I didn't want to wake him up because he was in the same room with us. And I was thinking, is this going to (laughs) end? This is crazy. But I then I would ask myself, do you believe you're going to have a better life from this? And, and two, money was a driver because I did know that if I could, you know, excel more into this IT technology field, the money would be a little better. So that was a driver as well. But the main driver was our son, our family. And then, of course, when our daughter came, it was the same. Yeah. So I think sometimes instead of looking at the situation as more of a failure and end all, what is the next opportunity I could do to make this happen? I like that. And it's really incredible. Yeah. And life is so funny. It will give you more than enough opportunities if you if you need them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Especially, I'm sure, with kids uh, and seeing the impact that the two of them have had on you is just so beautiful. And just I love that making it more about yourself too. It's interesting because I feel like it's women, especially mothers traditionally will make it all about somebody else instead of themselves. But that comes back to what we talked about at the beginning, which is it's both. It's not you're putting yourself aside. What it sounds like you're saying is that that was how you kept going, but you were also motivated for yourself too. I mean, just the journey mm-hmm. that you went from retail to IT, from from working in a, a grocery store to mm-hmm. understanding computers. I mean, that's a huge <laughs> jump and remarkable on its own. So you must have had personal <laughs> interest and passion, right? Like it wasn't like you were forced into it for your family, but no, you, I'm, no, I wasn't. There's something I wasn't else there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was just the hope. I always say hope can drive you to do a lot of things. And so I really believe it was just the hope that our life could be better. 
So if there was a chance for it to be better, I was willing to take it. Yes. And how did that turn out from hope to the reality of working in cybersecurity? Because I'm really curious about what that was like. Are you still doing that at all or is your work completely pivoted? No, not yet. Hopefully soon it will be. But yeah, I mean, it's like a struggle because I spent a good amount of years building up this career in IT. So, you know, to let it go, it's like, (laughs) but yeah, so it was a struggle because like you just said, I didn't know anything. I didn't even go back then. We were still using AOL uh, mail and we had the what the dial up (laughs) when I started. But yeah, so I didn't know anything. That was all I did was once in a while I would go onto my computer and check my email. I really didn't do internet shopping or internet browsing or anything. So when I went into it, it was a learning curve and I had to learn everything about computers because in my undergraduate, I was actually wanted to be a teacher. So I took more classes geared towards that. So this was all new. Well, it sounds and like it is, now you're is. doing some of that teaching that you love, right? Like it's, yeah. it's becoming a big part of your work, which is like really yeah. cool to think about yeah. how it's all adding to it, right? I mean, mm-hmm. did you mm-hmm. think when you were working in retail that you would be doing what you're doing now? No, no, no. Which At that time, I was very, amazing, yeah, I was it? very young and I wanted to get married. Yeah, I did. And I wanted to have kids and I wanted to wait until I was married to have kids. And so I was getting older and it was getting harder. And I was like, what is going on? But yeah, no, I didn't. But like once I had my son, that's when everything changed. And I was like, okay, so I do want to be with him by all means. And I don't want anyone else raising him. I don't want to drop him at babysitters and do all these things. So what do I have to do to make that happen? Mm -hmm. I'd Mm -hmm. love to know more about cybersecurity. What does that mean for you? Because when I think of it, I think of literally like making your digital life more secure. Is that what it means for your Mm -hmm. work? Mm -hmm. Or what exactly Mm -hmm. do you do? And do you have any like best practices you could share? (laughs) Especially, let's say, for women that are like, digital Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs, like many of them are now, especially moms who might have just started exploring side hustle, or they Mm -hmm. just started doing a little part-time work online. I mean, Mm -hmm. security is becoming increasingly important. Mm -hmm. Important. So what can you teach us about that? Yeah. So with um, cybersecurity, the work that I do is I do like big systems. So We're in the D.C. area, so I do a lot of work with the government, and all of their systems have to be accredited and certified. So that's the process that we go go through. So vulnerability is important because, of course, people are always trying to get in. Maintenance of the system is important. How do you house the data is important. It looks like right after that, the HIPAA came out, Then with the cybersecurity, we came out with the PII. So do you collect names? Do you collect addresses? Do you collect phone numbers, social security numbers, and all of these things? If you are collecting that type of data, then it's important for you to secure it. Is your data encrypted? Is your data encrypted when it's in transit? How are you using the data? Who do you share it with? So it's a lot that goes into it. And we try to keep track 
through documentation of what is what. So how is the system using data? How are they protecting data? What is it about the data that they're using? Who do they share it with? Is there another system connecting to them? And yeah, all the things like that. So that is cybersecurity. But now, time has gone, is even developing more. So there's different branches of cybersecurity. You have governance, you have your data team, you have your privacy team. So it becomes, <laughs> yeah, it becomes very, very broad. It sounds like it. And it's it's interesting because mm-hmm. I feel quite ignorant, both personally and professionally. And something that I would like to learn more of is like, how do I protect myself as a person? But to your point, it's also considering how you're utilizing data of your customers, for example, your clients, your email list. I mean, we live in this interesting time where it's like there's a lot of trust because many of us are used to submitting our information online, but it's scary because there's constant data breaches. There's so many hacks happening and stories all the time of people's money getting stolen or their identities stolen or, you know, on and on it it's commonplace. So it's Mm -hmm. interesting that I still feel (laughs) trust, but what you're bringing up, I'm like, wow, I feel like I should also be very mindful of like what, where I'm submitting this data and like really pausing to examine it and look Mm -hmm. for things. Like I imagine there's certifications that websites have that tell you Mm -hmm. if they're secure. Mm -hmm. Secure Yeah. What are some of the things that you look for on a website before you submit data, given what you know? The the, the first thing is that at the bottom, it should have um, SSS, and that means a secure shell is submitting your documents securely. And when you log into it, I don't think we have too many, but most websites have to be HTTPS. That means the website is secure. And but even though, you know, because of the hackers and all the people out there, they're evil, even still able to infiltrate in through those measures as well. So the best thing that the technologies they're using is data encrypt at rest. That means like when data is on someone's email server, because, you know, we use services to house our email list and things like that. So is that data on their server encrypted because that data is at rest? Not, when it's not being used, it's just sitting there. So that's one way to know that your data is protected in, and another one in, in transit is not encrypt as well. So that means when, because as it's going across the internet, of course, people are trying to intercept it. And so when they do, they won't see anything because it's encrypt. So it means when it leaves its destination, it's keyed. When it arrives to the destination it's supposed to be at, that destination should have the key to unlock it. And then then you'll be able to see it. So, yeah, it's very interesting because a lot of times the the number one thing with um, data and protecting data is cost. And a lot of companies and businesses don't value that until, like you're saying, it's breached. Once it's breached, that's when (laughs) they see the necessity of even beforehand of having done that. But it's unfortunate that that's the way it is. And using old technology as well, that's that's outdated. That's not, like, you know, like Microsoft over the years keep upgrading and upgrading. So their older software that they were using, they don't do anything for its protection anymore. So if a company or business is running that technology, then that's going to be a problem because there's no, been no new updates. 
And so now that data is really exposed. Yeah, I mean, the cost is definitely a big element of this, certainly for a small business. When you're just trying to get by and every cost feels like a big Uh consideration, I've certainly been there too. And I've had my website hacked at least once. And it's after that, I was recognizing the importance of building some security because the time it takes to recover a website, to recover emails. I mean, this is what happened to me Mm -hmm. about two years ago. My email, which is connected to my websites, got hacked and everything was erased and like I didn't have the backups. It was just like so much stress. And to look back, would I pay X amount of money to have prevented that? Absolutely. Because a lot of times it's not that expensive. And so I find myself just adding a little bit more on trying to figure something out because ignorance is another element of this. To your point earlier, it's like there's so much to learn. It feels confusing. It feels overwhelming. And I think a lot of people just say, I don't get it. I'm not going to deal with it. And they just Mm -hmm. hope that nothing will ever happen to them. (laughs) And like a lot of times it probably won't uh, statistically, but when it does happen, it can be devastating. And I mean, really, the small things that have happened to me have been enough for me to say, I need to at least put some basics. I remember even switching over from HTTP to HTTPS. That was actually felt really overwhelming to me because I had been on the (laughs) internet for so long that just Mm -hmm. moving a website over, like it, I had to sit down and like, follow it step by step and understand it. And it was just like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to figure it out. And you could pay somebody to do this stuff for you. But like, if you don't have a budget to hire someone Mm -hmm. for it, Mm -hmm. you do have to spend the time, but it's incredibly important to your point. Yeah. And I I think having someone like you that's been through that and can encourage people to learn and also share that journey that you've been through and the personal Mm -hmm. challenges you've had uh, to overcome Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. so inspiring. Mm -hmm. And that really, one thing else that you touched upon very briefly, but I know is also important to you is hope. And Mm -hmm. I want to circle back to that because I think it's pretty clear why hope is important to you. But I'm curious when you're doing your work, why is the message of hope important for you to spread to others? And it's so funny. I was just talking to my sister about that this morning. <laughs> we were having a discussion. And like I was telling her, because when you have hope, that gives you that drive, that expectancy, that I can do this, that it will get better type of message. When you don't have hope, it's like whatever, however it comes, whoever it So there's always something that we should be looking at to give us hope. So like with me, you know, I love my kids. So it's my kids. So I hope they have the best life. I hope they marry wonderful people. I hope they have great children. So that would give me great grandchildren. (laughs) And so even though they're still young, every time I talk about kids, they're probably like, mom, please. But (laughs) I'm like, you know, I am getting older. I won't mind a few grandchildren, (laughs) especially our son. (laughs) But yeah, so you know, that just gives you that hope that life can and will be better. And I think that when you have that type of hope, when you wake up in the morning, and the other thing about it is that when you have that type of hope, that's why entrepreneurship is so excellent for that. 
because most businesses that you're going to create or do will be something of a reflection of yourself that you can honestly give. And so that will drive you, that will give you that hope to get out of bed in the morning that, oh, I'm going to see the next best guest. I'm going to have the next best client. I'm going to meet the next, my business is going to be growing. And so you have that hope. So you keep going, even though things are not going all that great, or maybe having your ups and downs, you still have that hope that in the long run, I'm going to have however you created or looking at your business or your career as well, if you're wanting to excel in your career, that one too, you're thinking, oh, let me get up, let me get going. There's so much I have to do. And without that, that's how you can uh, uh, sink into, you know, a little bit of depression and things like that. Because I was uh, one of the guys I saw at work um, uh, last week, I was asking him, he was saying he was a little depressed. So I was asking him, so when you say you feel depressed, what does that feel like? What did you do? What did that mean to you? And he was saying that like he was, he wanted to sleep a lot. He didn't want to be around friends and stuff like that. And he was saying he didn't know that he was going into that. And so that's the exact opposite of hope. You just don't have any drive to do anything. But if you're hoping and looking to something, then you will have the drive. That's why I really believe that it's imperative that you create your vision and you create your vision five to 10 years out. And it's not so that, you know, you just put it there and you just sit it on the wall, but you create this big vision and then you start to backtrack it and you keep backtracking until you can take practical steps every day to reach this goal that's five or 10 years down the line. And so every day you're working and you're looking and you're like, oh, that's what I'm going for. Okay, let me go. Let me try again. Oh, that's what I'm going for. And that's why it's imperative too to read it. It's good to write it down and read it as much as you can. If you have to read it once a day, twice a day, if you're feeling down, read it again. (laughs) Because that will give you that hope that I can do it. And then too, we always have people who have done it before us so we can look at their lives as well. A lot lately I've been looking at Oprah and how she does things and the life that she lives and, you know, just the person that she is. So when I really look at her, she is a person that she likes to give. She likes to have a lot of hope and she likes to let go. And so like those are some of the characteristics that I really want to develop very well. You know, I don't want to hold on to things any longer than I have to. Because that diminishes my hope if I'm holding on to something that was in the past that maybe didn't work out. That will take away the hope that's going to push me to go on. So I believe hope is very important. It is something that we have to have daily to push us and keep us going down this path. Because in life, there's so many things that come at you. There's disappointments, there's happiness, there's highs, there's lows. And you want to be able to have something that in the good times you're looking towards it and in the bad times you're looking towards it as well. So yeah, that's my belief when it comes to hope that is everything. (laughs) I would love to know on that note, what is your vision for yourself for the next five to 10 years? What keeps hope alive for you beyond your family and specifically (laughs) around your work, but I'd also love to hear anything Mm -hmm. personal Mm -hmm. as well for your vision. Mm -hmm. 
So for my vision for five to 10 years is definitely, I started my podcast. We're on episode, I believe this week, we're going to do 40. And, you know, it was some ups and downs with that podcast. So I started on one platform, looked like it was going really well. Numbers were really good. And then I switched the company that was helping me with the editing. We kind of didn't see eye to eye. So I switched and it was like everything just plummeted. I was like, what is going on? But that is my big dream to have a very successful podcast where I'm speaking and I'm encouraging women and I'm encouraging entrepreneurs to believe in themselves and start the life that they desire. Because a lot of times we're not living the life we want. Each and every one of us have a desire inside of us. We have a unique gift that is waiting. The world is waiting for us to show. And that's what I want to do, be able to help you bring it out. And like a lot of times, my another one is like, I would love to live on the beach. And my husband always say, how do you want to move to the beach? What about the beach, the beach? I'm like, I love the beach. I love the sand and the water. And I think it is what is about the beach is how the it looks like the sky meets the beach, that line that's there, but it's not there. And that's the drive. That's how life is. You get to that line and then you see it, another one, and you get there and another one. So it just goes on and on and on. And of course, another one of my vision is to have unlimited time with my family, like with my son. I did go do a lot with him, but with my daughter, I want to be able to do even more. I enjoy dropping her off at school. I enjoy picking her up from school. I enjoy taking her places and I don't want anything to, you know, for me to have to choose. Do I have to go to work or, you know, do I have to go somewhere with my daughter? I want to be able to say my daughter is always first. My husband is always first. My family is always first. And another big goal dream is I want to start. Lately, I've been in this gardening business. So we're going to be moving soon into a house. So I would really love for me to be able to cultivate our own garden, our own vegetables, tomatoes, cucumbers, all the things we need to eat and really just believe in myself and make the impact that I know God has created me to make. That is so beautiful. And I'm thrilled that we can at least help you with part of that vision right now for the listener who has enjoyed hearing from you today. They can go listen to your podcast. They can subscribe. <laughs> they can support you that yeah. way. They can continue yeah. to feel inspired from you. So it's Ignite the Desire is the name of your show, yes. right? Uh -huh. So you can look that up, of course, but I'm going to link it on in all the platforms. show notes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so either look it up or go to the show notes for this episode, which is at wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. I will link to the podcast to make it super easy for you to go listen to Cynthia's show and support her vision for her life. And I love all the other sides of it. I think they're all connected, right? I mean, mm -hmm. all of that mm -hmm. spending time in the with your family could be done in the garden. So together yep. you can garden <laughs> together, right? Keep and you can share the gardening. Yeah. Yes. Those stories <laughs> on your podcast would sound amazing. Mm -hmm. And moving to the beach, like you can have the water in a garden overlooking the, the ocean mm -hmm. or a garden in the mm -hmm. back. And I just, mm -hmm. I already see it for you. You painted such a <laughs> beautiful picture, Cynthia, that I see your vision. And I think when other mm -hmm. people hold the vision for you alongside you, it becomes more powerful and achievable. Yeah. So 
You've got me there and I'm (laughs) the listener as well. So I'm so grateful that you shared your desires and your visions and your hope and and all of these wonderful inspirational messages that you share have really given me a lot of joy today and reminded me why I do this show. So that gives Mm -hmm. me hope, right? So Mm -hmm. you have a beautiful Mm -hmm. ability to pass that on to others. Speaking of beautiful, by the way, I want to say your Instagram is fantastic. So I'll be sure to link to that over at wellevator.com in the show notes. I went to Cynthia's Instagram last night and I was like, wow, this is so well done. Like, it makes me want to spend more time on Instagram. So (laughs) I, you know, your your photos are just, you have such a uh, radiance about you, Cynthia. For those that are just listening, there's a video version of this and uh, a clip on the Wellevator Instagram. So you have to just go look at Cynthia because... (laughs) Cynthia, honestly, when I first saw your photo, when you emailed it to me for this show, I was like, wow, she makes me smile. Like you just have (laughs) a power about you when you show up like that just made me feel good just through that small exchange. So that's a a magical quality that I am honored to have witnessed today. And to be honest, that has taken time. So like I've seen like, when I started my entrepreneurship journey, I also started a lot of self-development that include meditation and clearing my mind and letting go. And because before I could go from like zero to a hundred like that, like, you know, one minute I'm calm, the next minute I'm like, ah! <laughs> and so, you know, that took work. Like, I don't want to continuously live my life like that. So now, you know, even when I feel myself rising up, tell myself, no, we don't want to do that. You know, calm down, breathe. It's going to be okay. So a lot of people, everyone can have it, but it takes a lot of inner work. A lot of times we're looking for things outwardly and quick fixes, and it's really no way about that. It's you have to dig in to yourself. What are you thinking a lot about? How do you really view you? Because how you really view you is going to be presented everywhere you go. And so if you have confidence and self-worth and happiness and joy in you, then it easily comes out. We can't mask it, even though we try, like we try to have the outer not match the inner and the inner not match the outer, but it's just no way around it. Whatever is inside will come out. It has to. It's just the way that this journey that we're on has been designed. So one way to start easily is through your self-awareness and what are you thinking about? Think about what you're thinking about. (laughs) And that directly relates to emotions, stress, and things of that nature as well. What a beautiful, perfect note to end on, Cynthia, because it ties right back to the very beginning. So I love that you shared that. And thank you for everything that you've given to us today. It's really wonderful. Thank you and deeply so much for having me. Yes. Thank you. thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for having me. And thank you for all the wonderful compliments. <laughs> My pleasure. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. 
For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to WellEvator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.